0: You're not too late who hard your swave and just sit back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far far away. Now let's hear what God Venna has to say.
1: We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, my fellow far, far away family? How's everyone doing today? Nothing new to report on my side of the galaxy. Sith are fighting. Stormtroopers are missing. So, I did. I got the first round of the COVID-19 vaccine. I wasn't going to get it at first, but after I thought about it a while, I concluded that I would be the guinea pig. If I got the shot and then dropped dead, the rest of my family would know not to get it. I would sacrifice myself for the ones I love. And so far, I feel fine. A little soreness in my arm. Nothing out of the range of getting a vaccine. Let's get to of Star Wars. What does the rumors and news department have for us today? Rumors are floating around that Lucas is developing an animated Star Wars movie. Animated series have come a long way in Star Wars. Children's shows like Star Wars droids and Ewoks aired in the mid-1980s, but neither were very good. Then we had the first feature length animated entry into the franchise. There was a disaster. I liked it, but the critics had a field day with it. I'm talking about the 2008 Star Wars The Clone Wars animated movie. It was introduced by Dave Filoni and Introduced Ahsoka Tana into the mix, but it was punished by the critics and still only holds a Rotten Tomato score of 17%. Even with decades of nostalgia and goodwill for the follow ups, picturing a fan base who hated Ahsoka and wondered who the hell Filoni was is impossible to imagine, especially given the filmmaker's contribution to Star Wars. But it would be an understatement to say the movie was rebellious. Since then, Filoni has found his groove and was instrumental in the success of both the Clone Wars series and Rebels. While he works, Closely with John Farrow in mapping out the live action feature of Disney Plus. He has turned it all around when it comes to animation, which thank God he did because them first ones that I talked about earlier were just garbage. But an insider, Daniel Richmond is now claiming that a new animated Star Wars movie is in the works. But the tipster didn't give us any additional information on what that form would take. It can be ruled out given that Lucasfilms will continue to monetize Star Wars for as long as possible, but Richman's statement leaves it entirely open to interpretation. He did recently report that multiple R-rated projects and a comedy were both in early stages of development. So for now we just have to wait to see if anything comes from the news. Let me rephrase that. Anything could come from the rumors because that is all it is at this point. Now let us move on to the quote for this week and it comes to us from Albert Einstein. And he said, "We cannot solve problems with the kind of thinking we employed when we came up with them." Let me rephrase that to something that is easier to understand. We cannot solve problems in the same way we created the problem. Basically, we create problems, then we try to solve it with the same methods we used to create it. We use things like hate, jealousy, acts of evil to cause problems. Then we think we can solve it using the same methods. We are human. We must change the way we think in order to change the world. Acts of goodness are the only things that will counter the acts of evil. I have been testing something out for the last week or so. I have been trying to say something nice to everyone. Even people that I've had bad encounters with in the past. And I don't know if it helps them, but it has made my days feel a lot better. Okay, enough with all that. Let's get to chapter 17. Because we were left on a cliffhanger last week and I can't wait to find out what happens next. So let's get to it.
0: Bane's challenge hung in the air, as if the relentless sheets of rain had somehow trapped his words. Through the darkness of the storm, he saw the crowd part, and Sirak stepped slowly forward. The Zabrak moved with a quiet confidence. Bane had hoped the unexpected challenge might unsettle his enemy. If he could rattle Sirak, catch him off guard, or confuse him, he would have an advantage before the fight even began. But if his opponent felt anything at all, he kept it carefully masked beneath a cold, calm veneer. Sirrek handed his long, double-bladed training saber to Yivra, one of the Zabrak siblings, who always seemed to follow in his wake, then stripped off his heavy rain-soaked cloak his robes he wore a simple pair of breeches and a sleeveless vest. Without a word he held out his balled-up cloak, and Loki, the other Zabrak, scampered out from the crowd and took it from him. Then Yivra scurried in to return his weapon to his open and waiting hand. Bane peeled off his own cloak and let it drop to the ground, trying to ignore the cold sting of the rain on his naked torso. He hadn't really expected Sirak to be flustered by his challenge, but at the very least, he'd hoped that Zabrak would be overconfident. There was, however, a ruthless efficiency in Sirac's preparation. An economy and precision of movement that told Bane he was taking this duel very seriously. Sirac was arrogant, but he was no fool. He was smart enough to understand that Bane wouldn't challenge him again unless he thought he had some plan for victory. Until he understood what that plan was, he wasn't going to take his opponent for granted. Bane knew he could probably beat Sirak now. Like Githany, he didn't believe in the legend of a chosen one who would rise up from the Sith ranks. He was convinced Sirak was not in fact the Sithari. He didn't want to just beat him, however. He wanted to destroy him, just as Sirak had destroyed him in their last meeting. But Sirak was too good. He'd never leave himself exposed the way Bane had. Not at
1: first. Not unless Bane somehow lured him into it. Okay, this chapter starts off in an amazing way. The description of Bane standing in the middle of the ring, the rain pouring down on him, and the description of Sirak as he approaches the ring. It is an epic description of two rivals preparing for battle. The way Sirak confidently approaches the ring, how he holds up his hands and the others of Brack just know what to do, they take his cloak and hand him his saber, are just symbols of his prestige in this academy. But Bane hoped that his challenge would rattle Sirak, something that if it did, Sirak didn't show it at all.
0: Across the ring, Sirak assumed the ready position. His rain-slicked skin seemed to glow in the darkness, a yellow demon emerging from the shadows of a nightmare into reality's harsh light. Bane leapt forward, opening the melee with a series of complex, aggressive attacks. He moved quickly, but not too quickly. There were gasps of astonishment from the crowd at his obvious and unexpected skill, though Sirak turned aside his assault easily enough. In response to the inevitable counterattack, Bane let himself stagger back into a stumbling retreat. For a brief instant, he saw his opponent overextend, leaving his right arm vulnerable to a strike that would have ended the contest right then and there. Fighting his own finely honed instincts, Bane held back. He'd worked too long and too hard to claim victory with a simple blow to the arm. The battle continued in the familiar rhythm of combat, the ebb and flow of attack and defense. Bane made sure his attacks were effective yet crude, trying to convince his enemy that he was a dangerous but ultimately inferior opponent. Each time he warded off one of c charges, he embellished his defensive maneuvers, transforming quick parries into long, clumsy swipes that seemed to keep the double-bladed saber at bay as much as through blind luck as intention. With the surge and swell of each exchange, Bane gently prodded with the Force, testing and searching for a weakness he could exploit. It took only a few minutes until he recognized it. Despite his training, the had no real experience in long-drawn-out battles. None of his opponents had ever lasted long enough to truly push him. Imperceptibly, the strikes of his foe became less crisp, the counters less precise, and the transitions less elegant. As C-Rack gradually wore down, the fog of exhaustion was slowly clouding his mind and they knew it was only a matter of time until he made a crucial and fatal miscalculation.
1: We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You all also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show.
0: Yet even though he was battling the Zabrak, Bane's real struggle was with himself. Time and again, he had to pull back to keep him lunging through an opening presented by his enemy's increasingly desperate assault. He understood that the crushing victory he sought would only come through patience. A virtue not normally encouraged in followers of the dark side. In the end, his patience was rewarded. Sirak became more and more frustrated as he continually tried and failed to bring his bumbling, stumbling opponent down. As the prolonged physical exertion began to take its toll, his swings became wild and reckless until he abandoned all pretense of defense in an effort to end the duel he sensed was slipping away from him. When the Zabrak's desperation turned to hopelessness, every impulse in vain screamed with the desire to take the initiative and end the fight. Instead, He let the tantalizing closeness of Sirach's defeat feed his appetite for vengeance. The hunger grew with each passing second until it became a physical pain, tearing away at his insides. The dark side filled him and he felt it on the verge of ripping him apart, splitting his skin and gushing out like a fountain of black blood. He waited until the last possible second before unleashing the energy bottled up inside him in a tremendous rush of power. He channeled it through his muscles and limbs, moving so fast, it seemed as if time had stopped for the rest of the world. In the blink of an eye, he knocked the saber from Sirak's hand, sliced down to shatter his forearm, then spun through and brought his saber crashing into his opponent's lower leg. It splintered under the impact, and Sirak screamed as a shard of gleaming white bone sliced through muscle, sinew, and finally Skin. For an instant, none of the spectators was even aware of what had happened. It took their minds a moment to catch up and register the blur of action that had occurred so much quicker than their eyes could see. Sirak lay crumpled on the ground, writhing in agony, and clutching with his one good hand at the chunk of bone protruding from his shin. Bane hesitated a split second before moving in to finish
1: him off, savoring the moment
0: and giving Cassian
1: the opportunity to intervene. When the battle first starts, Bane uses trickery. He does clumsy moves to ward off Syrax attack. He even passes a chance to end the battle. He had worked way too hard to end about that soon. He wanted to savor the victory when he claimed it. I'm sorry, but I could not have been me. I would have took the chance. Serac is too good to let an opportunity just pass by. You might not get another chance to win. But the battle presses on. Then it happens. Bane finds Serak's only weakness. Serak has never been in a long battle. He has always ended the fight early on. So Serac had no endurance. We all know this technique as the rope dope Let your opponent tire themselves out. Then strike when they no longer have the strength to defend. But Bane had to be patient for his plan to work. Something that is not a strong skill for a Sith. But he finds a way to resist his urges to finish it. And it pays off for him as he relishes in Sirach's pain. The pain of not being able to bring down the stumbling, bumbling, lower-class Sith in his eyes. Bane uses it to feel the dark side as it passed the time. Then he releases it into a fury of strikes. Ending with a slash to Sirach's arm and a blast to his leg. That broke the bone and left it sticking out of the skin. It happened so fast that the other students didn't even realize what had happened. But then Bane hesitates for a moment and waits for Cassim to intervene.
0: Enough! The Blade Master shouted, and the apprentice obeyed, freezing his saber even in the act of chopping it down on his helpless foe. It's over, Bane. Slowly, Bane lowered his saber and stepped away. The fury and focus that had turned him into a conduit of the dark side's unstoppable power was gone, replaced by a hyper-conscious awareness of his physical surroundings. He was standing atop the temple roof in the middle of a raging storm, drenched in cold rain, his body half-frozen. He began to shiver as he cast about the ground for his discarded cloak. He picked it up, but finding it so completely through, didn't bother to put it on. Cassim stepped from the crowd, smoothly placing himself between Bane and the helpless Abrac. You have witnessed an amazing victory today, he told the assembled throng, shouting to be heard above the pounding rain. Bane's triumph was as much a result of his brilliant strategy as his superior skill. Bane was barely listening to the words. He merely stood in the center of the ring, silent, save for the chattering of his teeth. He was patient and careful. He didn't just want to defeat his opponent, he wanted to destroy him. He achieved Dune Mok, not because he was better than Sirak, but because he was smarter. The master reached out a hand and placed it on Bane's bare shoulder. Let this be a lesson to you all, he concluded. Secrecy can be your greatest weapon. Keep your true strength hidden until you are ready to unleash the killing blow. He let go of Bane's shoulder and whispered, You should go inside before you catch a chill. Then he turned to address the stuns of Brack's siblings standing at the edge of the circled students. Take Siddharth down to the med center. As they moved forward to carry their moaning and barely conscious champion away, Bane turned toward the stairs. Cassim was right. He had to get out of the rain. Feeling strangely surreal, he walked stiffly toward the stairs that led into the warmth and shelter of the rooms below. The crowd parted quickly to let him through. Most of the other apprentices were staring at him with expressions of fear and open
1: wonder, yet he barely noticed. Kasim yells out for Bane to stop and he obeys, even though he was striking down with the killing blow. This part I didn't understand. Bane had him right where he wanted him. Why didn't he kill him? By leaving him alive, it will give Serec a chance to get his revenge. It just doesn't make any sense. At this point, Kasim had entered the ring. He is standing between Serec and Bane. Then he addresses the other students. He tells them that it is better to be smart than good, which I can't tell if it was an insult to Bane's skill or a praise to his accomplishment. Then he tells them all that secrecy can be your greatest weapon. Then he tells Bane to go inside before he catches a chill. These are the most caring Sith that I have ever seen. But Bane does as he's told and enters the temple. (laughs)
0: He descended the steps to the temple's main floor, walking in a stupor that was broken only when he heard Githany call his name.
1: ''Bane!''
0: she shouted, and he turned to see her hurrying down the stairs after him. Her drenched hair was plastered haphazardly to her face and forehead. Her soaked clothes clung tightly to her body, accentuating every curve of her shapely form. She was breathing hard, though whether from excitement or the exertion of catching up to him, he couldn't say. He waited at the base of the stairs as she approached She ran down the steps toward him And for a moment he thought she would continue on into his arms At the last second she stopped, however And stood mere centimeters from him Githany took a second to catch her breath before she spoke When she did, her words were harsh Though her voice was low What happened up there? Why didn't you kill him? Part of him had been expecting this reaction, though another part of him was hoping she had come to congratulate him on his victory. He couldn't help but feel disappointed. He sent me to the to tank in our first duel. Now I've done the same to him, he replied. That's vengeance. That's foolish, she shot back. You think Sirach's going to just forget about this? He'll come after you again, Bane. Just like you came after him. That's the way this works. You missed your chance to put a permanent end to this feud. And I want to know why. My blade was raised for the killing blow. Bane reminded her. Lord Cassim stepped in before I could finish Sirach off. The masters don't want one of their top students to end up dead. No, she said, shaking her head. Your blade was raised, but Cassim didn't stop you. You hesitated. Something held you back. Bane knew she was right. He had hesitated. He just wasn't sure why. He tried to explain it to Githany and himself. I've already killed one foe in the ring. Cordus chastised me for Fourharg's death. He warned me not to let it happen again. I guess... I guess I was worried about what the Masters would do to me if I killed another apprentice. Githany's eyes narrowed in anger. I thought we'd finally stopped lying to each other, Bane. It wasn't a lie. Not exactly. But it wasn't entirely accurate, either. He shifted uncomfortably, feeling guilty beneath her furious glare. You couldn't do it, she said, reaching out and jabbing him hard in the chest with her finger. You felt the dark side swallowing you up, and you pulled back. Now it was Bane's turn to get angry. You're wrong, He snapped, swiping her accusing hand away. I retreated from the dark side after I killed Fulhark. I know how that felt. This is different. His words carried the righteous weight of truth. Last time, he'd felt hollow inside, as if something had been taken from him. This time, he could still feel the force flowing through him in all its savage glory, filling him with its heat and power. This time, the dark side remained his to command. Githany wasn't convinced. You still aren't willing to give yourself fully to the dark side, she said. Sirach showed weakness, and you showed him mercy. That's not the way of the Sith. What do you know of the ways of the Sith? He shouted. I'm the one who's read the ancient texts, not you! You're stuck learning from masters who've forgotten their past. Where in the ancient texts does it say to show compassion to a fallen enemy? She asked, her voice dripping with scorn. Stung by the words, Bane shoved her sharply backward and turned away. She took a quick step to balance herself, but kept her distance. You're just angry because your plan fell apart, he muttered, suddenly unwilling to face her. He wanted to say more, but he knew the rest of the students would be down soon. He didn't want anyone to see them talking together, so he simply walked away and left her standing there alone. Githany followed him with cold, calculating eyes. She'd been impressed watching him toy with Sirach in the ring. He'd seemed invincible, but when he'd failed to kill the helpless Lebrac, she was quick to recognize and identify what had happened. It was a flaw in Bane's character. A weakness he refused to recognize. Yet it was there, nonetheless. Once the passion of the moment had faded, once he was no longer driven by the dark side, his seething bloodlust had cooled. He hadn't even been able to kill his most hated enemy without provocation. Which meant he probably wouldn't be able to kill Githany if it ever came down to it. Knowing this changed the nature of their relationship once again. Recently, she'd begun to fear Bane, afraid that if he ever turned on her, she wouldn't be strong enough to stand against him. Now she knew that this would never happen. He simply wasn't capable of killing an ally without justification. Fortunately, she didn't have the same limitations
1: giffany chases down Bane, and when she catches up to him, her words are harsh as she questions him. She blatantly asks, why didn't you kill Serac? He kind of expected her to react this way, but Bane thought for a moment that she might congratulate him. Now he knows his first instinct was correct. Bane tells giffany the reason behind his action. Serac sent him to the back to tank the first duel, he just returned the favor. Then he tells Giffany that Kasim told him to stop, so he did what he was instructed. She knows that no one could have stopped Bane if he really wanted to kill Serac, and she calls him out on it. She thinks that he is regressing again he tells her that she is wrong and he did not pull away from the dark side then he tells her she just mad because her plan did not go the way she wanted and then he walks away but Giffany had found bane's weakness once the bloodlust had left bane and he was not driven by the dark side he was unable to kill someone so he would not be able to kill her if she ever crossed him once again she had the upper hand in her eyes
0: bane was still thinking about what Giffany had said later that night as he lay in bed unable to sleep Why hadn't he been able to kill Sirak? Was she right? Had he pulled back out of some misguided sense of compassion? He wanted to believe he'd embraced the dark side, but if he had, he would have cut Sirak down without a second thought, no matter what the consequences. However, it was more than this that was bothering him. He was frustrated by how he'd left things with Githany. He was undeniably drawn to her. She was hypnotic and compelling... Each time she brushed up against him, he felt chills down his spine. Even when they were apart, he often thought of her. Memories lingering like the scent of her intoxicating perfume. At night, her long black hair and dangerous eyes haunted his dreams. And he honestly believed she felt something for him, too. Though he doubted she would ever admit it. Yet as close as they'd become during their secret lessons together, they'd never consummated their yearning. It just seemed wrong while Sirak was still the top apprentice at the academy. Defeating him had been the underlying goal for each of them. Neither one had wanted any distractions from that goal. He was a common foe that united them to a single cause. But in many ways, he had also been a wall, keeping them apart. Taking Sirak down should have leveled that wall into rubble. But Bane had seen the disappointment in Githany's face after the battle. He'd promised to kill their enemy and she'd believed in him. Yet in the end, his actions had proved he wasn't up to her expectations. And the wall between them had suddenly grown much, much stronger.
1: Bane is once again having a hard time sleeping. He is questioning himself in the situation. Why was he unable to kill Sirak? Did he pull back out of compassion? He wanted to believe that he embraced the dark side. But if he had been truly of the dark side, he would have had no problem killing the Zabrak. But there was more on his mind than just the duel. He was worried about the way he had left things with Giffenie. Oh, that's sweet. Bain has done cop feelings for Giffenie. But he had not lived up to her expectation. He did not finish the job with Sirak. And that was a common goal that they had together. It was a goal that kept the wall in between them. But now it seemed that the wall had got bigger between them since he didn't kill the Zubrat.
0: Someone knocked softly at the door of his chamber. It was well after curfew. None of the apprentices had any reason to be in the halls. He could think of only one person who might be wandering the halls at this hour. Leaping from his bed, he crossed the floor in one quick stride and yanked open the door. He quickly masked his disappointment at seeing Lord Cassim standing beyond the threshold. The blademaster stepped through the open door without waiting for an invitation. He gave Bane a nod that told him to close it once he was inside. Bane did as he was bidden. ...wondering at the purpose of the unannounced late-night visit. ''I have something for you,'' the Twi'lek said, brushing away the folds of his cloak and reaching for his lightsaber on his belt. ''No,'' Bane realized, ''not his lightsaber.'' The handle of Cassine's weapon was noticeably longer than most, allowing it to house two crystals, one to power each blade. This hilt was smaller, and it was fashioned with a strange curve, giving it a hooked appearance. The Blade Master ignited the lightsaber. Its single blade burned a dark red. This was the weapon of my master, he told Bane. As a young child, I would watch for hours as my master performed his trills. My earliest memories are of dancing ruby lights moving through the sequences of battle. You don't remember your parents? Bane asked, surprised. Cassim shook his head. My parents were sold in the slave markets of Nalhuta. That's where Master Nadaz found me. He noticed my family on the auction blocks. Perhaps he was drawn to them because we were Twilix like himself. Even though I was barely old enough to stand, Master Nadaz could sense the force in me. He purchased me and took me back to Ryloth to raise me as his apprentice among our own people. What happened to your parents? I don't know. Cassim replied with an indifferent shrug. They had no special connection to the Force, so my master saw no reason to purchase them. They were weak, and so they were left behind. He spoke casually as if the knowledge that his parents had lived and probably died as slaves in the service of the Hutts had no effect on him whatsoever. In a way, his apathy was understandable. He'd never known his parents, so he had no emotional ties to them, good or bad. Bane briefly wondered how his own life might have been different if he had been raised by someone else. If Hurst had been killed in the Cortosis Mines when he was just an infant, would he still have ended up here at the Academy in Korriban? My master was a great Sith Lord, Cassim continued. He was particularly adept in the arts of lightsaber combat, a skill he had passed on to me. ''He taught me how to use the double-bladed lightsaber, though as you can see he preferred a more traditional design for himself. Except for the handle, of course.'' ''The blade flickered out of existence as he shut off the weapon and tossed it to Bane, who caught it easily, wrapping his hand around the hooked handle.'' ''It feels strange,'' he muttered. ''It requires a minor variation in your grip,'' Kasim explained. ''Hold it more in the palm, farther away from the fingertips.'' Bane did as instructed, letting his body grow accustomed to the odd heft and balance. Already his mind was beginning to run through the implications of the new grip. It would give the wielder more power on his overhand strikes, and it would change the angle of the attacks by the merest fraction of a degree, just enough to confuse and disorient an unsuspecting opponent. Some moves are more difficult with this particular weapon, Cassim warned but many others are far more effective. In the end, I think you'll find this lightsaber will suit your personal style quite well. You're giving this to me? Bane asked incredulously. Today, you proved you were worthy of it. There was just a hint of pride in the blademaster's voice. Bane ignited it, listening to the sweet hum of the power pack and the crackling hiss of the energy blade. He performed a few simple flourishes, then abruptly shut it off. Does Cordis approve? The decision is mine, not his, Kasim stated. He almost sounded offended. I haven't held on to this blade for ten years, just so Cordus can decide who I give it to. Bain answered with a respectful bow, fully aware of the great honor that Kasim had just bestowed upon him. To fill the uncomfortable silence that followed, he asked, your master gave you this when he died? I took it when I killed him. Bane was so stunned that he couldn't cover his reaction. The Blademaster saw it and smiled slightly. I had learned everything I could from Master Nadaz. As strong as he was in the dark side, I was stronger. As skilled as he was with the lightsaber, I became better. But why kill him? Bane asked. A test to see if I was as strong as I believed. This was before Lord Khan rose to power. We were still trapped in the old ways. Sith versus Sith, master versus apprentice. Foolishly pitting ourselves against one another to prove our dominance. Fortunately, the Brotherhood of Darkness put an end to all that. Not completely, Bane muttered, thinking of Thorharg and Sirak. The weak still fall to the strong. It's inevitable. Kasim tilted his head to the side, trying to gauge the meaning behind his words. Don't allow yourself to be blinded by this honor, he warned. You are not ready to challenge me, young apprentice. I have taught you everything you know, but I haven't taught you everything I know. Bane couldn't help but smile. The notion of facing Kasim in a real fight was preposterous. He knew he was no match for the Blademaster not yet. I will keep that in mind, Master. Satisfied, Kasim turned to go. Just before Bane closed the door behind him, he added, Lord Cordis wants to see you first thing in the morning. Go to his chambers before the morning drills. Even the sobering prospect of meeting with the Academy's grim overseer couldn't dampen Bane's elated spirit. As soon as he was alone in his room, he reignited the lightsaber and began practicing his sequences. It was many hours before he finally put the weapon away and crawled wearily into bed. All thoughts of
1: Giffany long vanished from his mind. So Master Kasim had came to Bane's room. He was there to give Bane a gift, a lightsaber that belonged to his master. It was a well-crafted lightsaber with a curved handle. Kasim tells Bane that it will give him a better thrust and it will fit his style better. So from what it sounds like, the Sith don't craft their own sabers. The Jedi find their own Kyber crystals and then use the Force to construct their lightsaber. The Sith apprentices are given their sabers by their masters. Or at least that's what it sounds like from Kasim giving Bane his saber. Bane asks if Cordes approved of the gift. Kasim tells Bane that it is not Cordes' choice. He holds the rights to give the saber to whoever he wants. Bane bows to Kasim, giving the master his respect, knowing that receiving the saber was a great honor. Then Bane asks Kasim if his master gave him the saber when he died. Kasim tells Bane that he took it when he killed his master. Bane Bane was so shocked to hear this, he could not respond. Kasim tells Bane that there was nothing left for him to learn from his master. This was before the Brotherhood and the Strong still devoured the weak. It was in the time of Sith vs. Sith, a way to prove one's power. Bane makes a remark that the Strong still conquered the weak. Cassim tells Bane that he is not powerful enough to be him yet. Kasim reminds Bane that he had taught him everything that Bane knows, not everything that he knows. Bane thought to himself there is no way that he could beat Kasim. His skills were no match for the blade master. Nicassine tells Bane that Cortis wants to see him in the morning. But at this point, nothing could damper Bane's spirit. So he spent the next few hours practicing with his new lightsaber. And that's where the chapter comes to an end. I hope to see you next week. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway so was created by Keen Eye Shit, and there's a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Sound design by Theodore Thompson. Research by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.